The remote show is sponsored by TeamFlow. TeamFlow is a virtual office for teams to hang out in. TeamFlow makes it easy to talk with coworkers and work together, all while respecting everyone's privacy. Companies like Dropbox, Shopify, and Netflix are using TeamFlow to create virtual offices for teams to hang out in while working remotely. Visit TeamFlowHQ.com to begin your 30-day free trial today and start feeling like a team again. Hello, everyone. My name is Tyler Selhorn, and welcome to another episode of The Remote Show, where we discuss everything to do with remote work with the people who know it best. Thanks so much for listening. The Remote Show is brought to you by We Work Remotely, the largest community of remote workers in the world. With over 220,000 unique users per month, We Work Remotely is the most effective way to hire. Today, we are blessed to be learning out loud with Mitko Karshavsky. For the last five years, he has been living as a digital nomad and spent a majority of that time growing an agency from a small team of six to over 25 professionals, all working 100% remote. At the end of 2020, he launched Parable, an online membership that uses detailed case studies of real-world six, seven, and eight-figure location-independent businesses to teach people how to build an online business of their own that allows them to live life on their own terms. Mitko is also the host of That Remote Life, one of the fastest growing podcasts in its category, where he interviews entrepreneurs and thought leaders on the topics of business, remote work, global citizenship, economics, tech, and much more. Welcome, Mitko. Tell us, what problems are you trying to solve with Parable? Hey, Tyler. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. I'm super stoked to be here and to talk with you. But yeah, like you mentioned a little bit in the intro there, essentially, Parable is a membership community inside of which we publish case studies of real online businesses. And the reason why I think that's so important is that even though to you and I, you know, both of us have been in the remote world for quite a few years, you know, the online business, work remotely, work from anywhere kind of thing is almost what we know, right? Like I've been doing it for like five, six years at this point. I'm 28. Basically, my entire working career has been in remote. That's not the case for most people. And a lot of people forget that remote is still very much the wild, wild west of work, that online business is still very much the wild, wild west. And what we do inside of Parable is that while there are lots of courses that will help teach you how to do a lot of different specific things, it can be really difficult to understand where do you actually apply those skills that you've learned? How do all those things fit into a bigger picture of running a business? And case studies have been used by business schools for years and decades to essentially teach people who want to run a business, who want to work within a business, how to do exactly that. How do you solve problems that will come up in your business career and essentially provide you with a chance to practice those solutions, right? And nothing like this exists at the moment at least at this scale for online businesses. And so that was the entire idea behind Parable was, hey, why don't we give people who are interested in how to run and operate an online business, how to start an online business, let's give them the closest thing possible to practicing that in the real world without actually building a business. So yeah, that's kind of the entire idea is like, hey, we give you a behind the scenes look at exactly how these businesses are built and what makes them tick so you can do it yourself. Awesome. So pleased to be talking with another early adopter of remote work, (laughs) teaching others how to do it well. Do you have a favorite case study that you can share with us from Parable that you're thinking, you know what, when I think about WeWork Remotely's audience of remote job seekers and and hiring managers that, okay, yes, this is the one that would really make sense to share with these folks say, yeah, you can do this. This is an effective way to run a business. In fact, you can have a 
location independent business that exists in the real world. Here's our case study, right? What's a favorite of those stories that you'd want to share? One of the ones that springs to mind right away is a friend of mine by the name of Mitch Lore, who has a really great agency. And what I really like about his business is that he was able to build it very quickly. It took him less than 12 months to scale that company up to six figures, which is pretty impressive when you think about how long it normally takes to do that. And the reason why he was able to do that, you know, after analyzing the case study and looking at how he actually did that, that I think also carries a very important lesson is that Mitch, when he was building this agency, and even before that, he really focused on who he was serving and not how he was serving them. Because one of the things that I've seen over and over again with in patterns of speaking with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, like you mentioned, I have that remote life. Even before launching Parable, I've been talking with entrepreneurs. We have over 120 interviews at this point. And the pattern that I'm noticing is that a lot of people focus on what they do, right? What is your startup idea? That's the sexy thing to talk about is like, oh, well, you know, here's this tech that we're building or whatever it is. But I think people need to focus way more on who they're serving and then, you know, essentially make that the core of what they do. And the reason why is because, I mean, you know this, right? Like when you start a business, it might change as you learn more. It will likely change the service offering, the product you're offering, whatever it is, will evolve the more that you learn. The thing is that if you nail down who you work with, even if that product or service changes over time, you're never starting from zero because you're serving the same core audience that has, you know, you've already established trust with those people. And so the business can change. You can go from an agency to some sort of software, for example, but you're always serving the same people. And so you're never starting from zero. And that's exactly why Mitch uh, was able to scale his agency so quickly it was because the people he was serving were people he had already established trust with through previous businesses or even when he was working with other agencies. And so I think that's one of those really important lessons that now looking at the patterns of seeing what a lot of other people have done and what has allowed people to either do it easier than most or more quickly than most, that seems to be a pattern that is very apparent. Yeah, I think that is a common thread throughout business right now, but especially inside of the future of work, remote working community is to say, okay, let's start with an audience, right? Let's start with connecting with others, right? I think that's a even a through line to remote working generally, right? I, you know, I often quote Darren Murph and his phrase that remote work is a forcing function for intentionality, right? To say, okay, this is the type of customer. This is the type of community. These are the types of people that are, I want to connect with. And, you know, the internet is lowering the barriers for people to connect with like-minded individuals divorced from geography, right? Unconnected to like where we are in the world. But, you know, just like you and I, right? There was a time in which we would have had to meet up in Cincinnati, right? To be able to connect as business partners. But now through the power of the internet, you're in Bulgaria, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and we're talking about things that we both care about, right? That is a unique and special thing of 2021, what are we doing now that's different than before? And that's really cool to hear. A shout out, Mitch, to you being able to build a business on that idea. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to pull out from that conversation about Mitch and his business, right? 
what are you seeing? You mentioned patterns, right? You mentioned the audience first kind of pattern. You mentioned the who is he serving, not what is he serving them kind of idea. When you think about building businesses in the internet, right? What is it that makes that the thing that is most powerful is the person to person connection, right? Because we hear so often in remote work that it's lonely, it's disconnected, What is it about Mitch or yourself or others that you've studied that makes it so that they have a relationship with their customer or with their business partners that are stickier, that doesn't feel as disconnected? That's a really great question. I think there's several things there. One of the things that, you know, immediately comes to mind when I'm thinking about this is this is kind of like one of those things that I've been throwing around recently. It's that going to the office when you were working and you were going to an office and taking a commute and all that kind of stuff, you were essentially living to work. Think about the sort of life that you live, right? You lived in a city because it was close to the office and you drove there. Everything that built your life was based around your work. And what remote work does is it actually flips that equation. Remote work allows you to work to live, right? You mentioned I'm in Bulgaria. It doesn't matter where my business exists. I mean, my business is entirely virtual, but if there was a physical location, I don't need to be there, right? And so I think that that's a really important thing to understand. And and also bringing asynchronous communication into this has also been really important because I find that people who do say that working remotely is lonely or that, you know, they get burnt out or anything like that, or, you know, maybe it's not as productive. To me, that's a sign of you haven't, and maybe not you, but maybe it's a combination of you or the company or the team manager or whatever it is. You haven't quite figured out yet how to make this work for you. And that just takes time, right? I mean, every team needs to go through a little bit of a growing pain when it comes down to working remotely and figuring out how do these puzzle pieces come together. But when you do figure it out, that's when, like you said, it becomes sticky because then you're like, oh, wait, you're telling me that I'm most productive from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then I have this like lull for about two hours and I don't need to be in the office. I can go to the beach and then come back having become re-energized and get some more work done. Like when you figure that out and you figure out exactly how to do that for yourself, it becomes very, very sticky. Yeah, so another idea that I, I want to go deeper on with you right there is, is the shifting from not only location-independent work, right, but also time-independent work, right? You mentioned adapting your workday to your personal rhythms and mm-hmm. not the rhythms of a commute, right? That we're not building our life around going to the office, right? Instead, we're building our work around like how we know and based upon our own individual patterns of how we're most productive. Can you tell us some stories of how that's worked out for you? Like when you shifted from not only location independent work, but also time independent work, what was that like for you? Like what was those aha moments for you? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it takes time. Like I said, I remember the first year or two I didn't get it right away. I wasn't able to figure it out for myself right away. And you need to create room for yourself to experiment. And then one of the things is like try to keep a journal and see when do you feel the most productive? When do you not feel productive? In terms of like, if you look at the day, right? Like today I felt productive. Two days ago, I really didn't feel productive. And like, why? What happened in those days 
that made you feel that way. And then when you review that, try to optimize that for the things that made you feel productive, right? Did you try a different path? Did you work in the morning? You know, did you one day not work in the morning, work in the evening, whatever it may be, try to analyze that for yourself. And eventually you're going to kind of come upon the pattern that allows you to do that. What I think is really important, like you were saying, not just shifting from a location independent style of work, but moving towards a time independent style of work. The two things that I found in my experience and also from speaking with a lot of people who have run remote teams or built remote companies, it really comes down to two things. And that's empowering asynchronous communication. And then the other thing is having a very robust set of SOPs or standard operating procedures. Asynchronous communication is really, really important because it just helps with organizing the communication within your team in a way that it's not relying on somebody being up and, you know, being able to like answer questions right away. And I think that that's why it ties in so well with having some sort of index or SOPs is that when you're able to figure out something through that conversation, right? It's really good to record that in an organized manner so that if that question comes up again, you don't need to wait for somebody to respond right? You can go and check. So one of the rules that we had at the agency was like, before you ask a question, check the SOP index, because if the answer is there already, then you don't need to wait for somebody to respond, right? If that's not available in that index, then it's really important for us to focus in on this question and get that answer and then record that answer in our SOP so that we don't have to ask that question a second time, right? Or if that question comes up a second time, we don't need to wait for somebody to answer it or figure out the answer. And those two things really work very well together. And that's where I find that companies really hit the stride or remote teams really hit their stride is when they figure out not just those two things separately, but how those two things come together and allowing the team to understand how important those are and why they're married so closely. I think that's when you really hit that stride and you go from not just being location independent, but being time independent as well. I love the way you drew that out. You you said that you didn't get it right away, right? You said that you had to experiment and that you you know, had to get reflective. You had to look at the whys. And how do we move to time independence? You have to document it, right? It has to live somewhere that people can reference without having to ping another person. When you're stuck inside of those synchronous workflows, you're depending on someone else to unblock you. Right. But when we're working in a time independent way, we are relying on that person having given us good documentation, a good SOP, you know, SOP index was your phrase, right? I love that idea. That's a new one for me. I I like having the standard operating procedure index. Sorry, Tyler, just a point on this. You know, when you're talking about this, one of the things that I wanted to add in there just to be as helpful as possible, clarify things up as much as possible is that when you start working remotely, you become location dependent, you do the quote unquote digital nomad thing. One of the immediate things that you try to revolt against is this idea of schedules, right? And that's what I did. And that's why I had a lot of struggles, right? Because I was like, now I'm free. Nobody's telling me when to be in the office, when to leave the office. I can work whenever I want to, and I'm just going to do whatever I want to, right? And that's not how we're built as humans. And this idea of total and complete freedom and lack of schedule makes you very unproductive. So one of the things that you'll find with people who are very experienced remote workers who've been doing this for a long time is that, yes, they have the ability to work whenever they want to, but they find a schedule. They find a rhythm. 
Now, the power is in that you get to set that rhythm, right? If you mm. work best in the evening, which is not you know necessarily like when an office would like you to work, working remotely allows you to work when you want to. I have developer friends of mine who, for example, will pull incredibly long hours. They'll work through an entire night. They'll stay up for hours and hours and hours because they're really into the flow of whatever it is they're coding, and then they'll take a day off, right? They're super productive. They found their flow. They found their schedule. That doesn't necessarily fit into an office. So one of the things, if you're new, if you're just getting started in this, don't shed the schedule. Find your schedule. And I think that that's really where I, from my experience, that was something that I had to learn the hard way. And I hope that people don't have to figure it out on their own the hard way as well. Thank you for teaching us there from your own experience that being intentional about a schedule is more important than the rejection of schedules broadly, right? And maybe that is the way you are most productive is to kind of decide when you work best. I think that's the thing that we're finding out in this opportunity in a flexible working arrangement that you can adapt to you. You can adapt to your family or your personal situation. Right. And that is the thing that is most powerful and, and is enabling productivity to remain high even in a new working arrangement. That's really, really cool. Okay. So I was attempting to transition and you gave us that nugget. So thank you very much for interrupting me. I'm curious what you think as you have been talking to successful digital nomads or location independent workers, what is it that they communicate to an employer? that would say to that employer, you know, I am ready for remote work. These are the things that are true of me that say, yeah, please select me for your job because I'm very interested in this location independent, time independent, you know, my own schedule, flexible working arrangement. How do I demonstrate that that's something that I'm ready to do well? One of the things that comes up over and over again is this idea of hiring self-starters right? These are people that don't necessarily need to have somebody to like poke them and say, go work, right? These are people who are able to manage their own projects to an extent, you know, keep themselves productive, just essentially like not get babysat. But I think this is the beginning of actually a larger topic in that I think we are beginning this transition into what I've been calling micro personal brands, right? We have heard this term personal brand for a few years now. You probably know somebody who you identify as like, hey, this is somebody who has a personal brand. But the future of work is headed in this direction. Because nowadays with the internet being what it is, you already most likely have a personal brand. Maybe you haven't taken possession of it, right? I guarantee you that if you're right now working in an office, if you're in a job, whether it's an office or not, you have a personal brand. That's what the people that you work with think of you and what your managers, people below you in that organization think of you. That's your personal brand. And companies that are remote first, that are looking to bring on a new person, I think they're looking for people who understand this and are able to claim and market their personal brand, right? We're all looking for experts to bring on. Unfortunately, employment, fortunately or unfortunately, it really depends on how you look at it. Employment is currently being squeezed from two different places. It's, it's essentially in the middle of like a scissor movement, right? On one hand, you have automation that's taking away more and more jobs, right? We're seeing a huge rise in no code, you know, Zapier type of 
automations that are allowing to essentially like a lot of work that would have taken manual labor before it's now getting done automatically. So that's on one side. On the other hand, you are seeing a huge rise in outsourcing that is only going to increase and accelerate post COVID because the idea of allowing Sally who lives 30 minutes away from the office to work remotely versus somebody from the other side of the world isn't that big, right? The big jump is understanding the work can be done remotely and without everybody being in the same place. Once you accept that and you get used to that, it's not very hard to go from they're 30 minutes to an hour away from the office to they are eight hours by flight in the completely other continent, right? And so that is going to lead to this sort of middle-class employment getting squeezed from both ends. And the people who are going to win are the people who can figure out how to establish their micro-personal brands and say, hey, I'm an expert at this and I'm the best person in this topic for your company. And so I think that that's really important. And I think that that goes to that self-starter mentality because the people who are understanding this, the people who are claiming their personal brands, their micro-personal brands, either through things like LinkedIn, Twitter, they're building their own websites, they're beginning to develop who they communicate with and how they communicate what they do. Those are the people that remote companies want to hire. Hey, shout out to all the other internet people on the internet doing internet things out here on these internet streets. I'm just going to say some names to you all here in the audience. As you were talking, I was thinking of Eric Torenberg's personal moat. We talked to Amanda Nielsen a few weeks back. She talked about the same idea that, you know, how do you demonstrate that you are ready for remote work? Well, have a great LinkedIn CV, right? Just show people like even just that, just having a good profile on LinkedIn is going to give you a leg up. You, know, you mentioned Zapier. Wade Foster is in the archives of the remote show. I think about Webb Smith from 2 p.m., him talking about the barbellification of things where we're saying, okay, the bottom of the market and the top of the market are really well served and you got to figure out how to be on that other side. And, you know, hey, welcome to the 21st century and the internet and what's happening here. There is an opportunity for all of us in this space for those of us that are willing to be out loud with the ways that we are showing up to work. Okay, so let's flip that around, right? Let's say you're a company that's looking to hire folks. How do you demonstrate to those people that have a micro-personal brand that this is a place where you can make that happen for yourself, that you can be upwardly modable with our organization and be a part of our crew? Yeah, I mean, I think, the funny enough, the answer is kind of the same. I think the companies that everybody wants to work for are the companies that we like and respect the most, right? I even remember this before I got involved into the online space. I was speaking with somebody who we were talking about at the time about how these brands are really starting to communicate what they're all about. And so much of their marketing isn't necessarily focused on like, hey, look at our mug. And this is why our mug is the best. And like, you know, look at how nicely, you know, we can hold this, you know, and it's just, it's a pretty color, whatever. And so much of them are saying like, hey, here's what we're all about. Here's what we're thinking. Here are our values. Here's how we treat our people. Here are the things that we're doing for a community. And I think that those are the companies that people want to work for, right? Companies that treat their people well. Companies that really believe in what they're doing and understand where they fit into like the bigger picture. And I think the trick is in understanding how to communicate that, how to essentially put those ideas out there 
and attract the people that you want working for you, right? I just think there's so much about people have just become so much more personal. It's just become very personal when it comes down to picking the place that you work because you really want to be aligned. People just really want to be aligned with the values of the company that they're joining and figuring out how to communicate that to wherever your ideal employees are is the trick and something that you need to figure out. Yeah. So telling that employment brand story really well is going to be a huge driver of success in those recruiting processes. But also how you do as a company, what you're hiring for, right? Like I was thinking about if you're somebody who wants to be a social media manager or something like that, then working for a company like Wendy's would be fantastic because of what Wendy's has done with their Twitter account, right? Like Wendy's or Slim Jim, those are these brands that have, and I know that these aren't remote companies, but these are brands that have done a really good job with that tool. And if you're somebody who wants to be in social media, then you want to go work for a company that is doing interesting things with whatever it is that you're doing. And so I just think it also comes down to like being good and interesting at whatever it is that you do will attract people who want to do that better. So I think that obviously the same way that we would say one of the best ways to market your product or services, have a really good product or service and focus on that. And that will do some of the marketing for you. I think, you know, the same answer is true for finding talent. Really good. Thanks for drawing that out some more for us. One of the things that I've been asking everyone that's been on the podcast, right, especially for those 2019 remoters, right, the people that had been there before the pandemic, when you think about the versions of remote work that are kind of existing or about to become, right, what was remote work in 2019 versus during the pandemic versus what is going to become, you know, hopefully in 2022 when this is behind us, right? I'm looking forward to the aftertimes. I don't know about you, but I'm hoping that we can have this, this kind of uh, compare and contrast of those different time periods. What do you think about when you think about those different moments in time with remote work? Yeah. I mean, I think 2019 was this like, yeah, remote work is fine, but it will never work at scale. It's a fad. It's something that's not necessarily going to be hugely impactful. Uh, no matter how much maybe people like you and I who have been doing it for a while were like, no, 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 this is the whole game, right? I think 2020, yes, it was a great time for remote work. I know that, you know, COVID was not a good thing. It brought a lot of negativity. A lot of people were hurt. A lot of people, you know, lost their lives. But, you know, like, let's be honest, it really jump started remote work. And I think, some companies looked at it in terms of like, okay, like let's bring this on just for long enough so that we can ride this out, right? And I think that that was actually not a good way of looking at it. It wasn't a very long-term view of it because companies didn't necessarily put in the practices they needed in order to do this long-term. So a lot of the things that I was hearing during 2020 from friends of mine who had just started working remotely during the pandemic was like, I hate this. How can you do this? This is so hard on me. I've never worked longer hours. I'm feeling burned out. There was just this entire misunderstanding of what remote work is and how to do it correctly. Because I don't think many companies thought about it in the long-term view of it, in terms of like how do we put the systems in place to make this easy for you know people to do it from now on. And I think 2021 and beyond companies are kind of starting to come to terms that like, hey, even post COVID, 
I think this is how things are going to get done because it's just too favorable. I mean, we're seeing a lot of employees that are quitting their jobs because their jobs are trying to force them to go back to the office, right? That has been a huge trend over the last couple of months. On the flip side, so many companies realize just how beneficial remote work is for them, right? You don't need an office anymore. You don't need to have all those extra expenses that come along with having an office and, and, you know, shoveling people into this office. Not to mention that now you can find the best talent for the position from anywhere. You don't need to just look within your little 30 to 45 minute radius away from your office. Maybe the best talent is an hour and a half away. Well, guess what? You can go hire that person now because they can work remotely just like everyone else in your company. And so there is a lot of benefit to employees, right? Like everything that we've talked about, but there's also a lot of benefit also for companies and they're starting to realize that. And so now there's this real initiative of like, okay, both parties want this. We just need to figure out how to make this work long term because we didn't necessarily do that during COVID because we just thought that it was here for a little bit. And so I think that's been sort of the trend. It was in 2019. It was like, this isn't happening. This is just a fad. This is always going to be just like a few tiny percentage of people that do this to then, you know, we have to do this. So like, let's just duct tape something together that can hold long enough until we are out of this. And then in 2021, I really feel like people have started realizing this, that like, this is the way forward. This is just how things are going to be done from now on. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the space over the next couple of years, because as more companies figure out how to do this long term, it's going to become better for everyone. Well, I think that's a great place to conclude. There are a lot of benefits to not shoveling people into the office, as you said. Well, Mitko, thank you so much for coming and learning out loud with us here on The Remote Show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Blessings. Thanks so much again for listening to the show and be sure to check out WeWorkRemotely.com for the latest remote jobs. And if you're looking to hire a remote worker, WeWorkRemotely is the fastest and easiest way to do so. As always, if you have someone we should talk to, any advice you have, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, please reach out to us at podcast at WeWorkRemotely.com. That's podcast at WeWorkRemotely.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time.